Hello, I'm Jeff Johnston. Welcome to the Living Undeterred podcast. I'm super excited for our guest today. Um, sometimes you meet people, you feel like you've known them for a long time. DJ is one of those people. I've known her for a short while on social media and due to COVID, we've all been locked up and behind our computers and developing relationships and friendships of people we've actually never met face to face. Uh, DJ is somebody that's an interesting story and I'm very excited to hear about how she has just uh, really taken off and become what I call one of the better social influencers that I see on, 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 um, on not just LinkedIn, but all social media platforms. And she really has a lot of guests on her show. I'm going to have her talk about her podcast and things like that. But um, people have been following my story know that I'm looking to be surrounding myself around people that have this living undeterred uh, mindset and lifestyle. And I actually saw one of her podcasts. Uh, and I thought, wow, this is, I think it was a mental health podcast she had. And I thought, this is a great topic that I need to get to know this person. And I was honored to be a guest on a live stream that she did. And um, from there, I reciprocated it tonight. So without uh, much more uh, further ado, uh, DJ Durante, if I have that correctly. Yeah, that's fine. Welcome to, welcome to the Living Undeterred podcast. Um, why are you here? <laughs> Thank you. I'm here because you invited me and I felt that kindred spirit and energy. So yeah, we're here to live undeterred. That's the way we've been living. Yeah, and you, you don't lack in the energy area. That's one of the things I think anyone that follows your podcast and a lot of the, um, the writings you do are very passionate, very inspired. And you certainly don't lack energy. So I think that's helping you a lot in your, in your, in your uh, causes that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I try to use my energy for the good rather than the bad. I know we can, that can be interpreted in many ways, uh, and I think you know what that means. So yeah. we want, we'll touch on that, and we can dig into that later. But really, it is about using that energy and turning it for something good and helping others. That's just the way I've always felt about what I've wanted to do. I've always been closely related to the mental health community the disabled um, individuals that go through things in their lives and, and trauma, a lot of trauma. So worked in various populations uh, for a good 20 years and I just really find it a, a strong passion and a calling to work with individuals and, and give them some of my energy to help them move forward in their lives. So your podcast you do, uh, can you yes. tell us a little bit about how long you've been doing it? Sure. What type of people are you looking for and what's kind of the, the sure. most, um, you know, what's what's inspirational about your podcast? Why should people listen and watch your Ooh, podcast? Good question. Okay. So I'll go start with my background a little bit. My background is uh, I'm a disability navigator and also live stream at night, which means that I work with individuals with disabilities to move forward in their lives, uh, find opportunity and employment and whatnot. And I really uh, enjoy that. And I cross all the years of working in social services and with different individuals with different uh, barriers to their livelihood and opportunity. I really felt like I got Everyone felt so isolated. Everyone felt so alone. Everyone felt so frustrated. Mm -hmm. And then when COVID hit, it, it just, right, everything just multiplied. And I think even in that year of 2020, I too felt a little bit isolated being an extrovert, being someone that really enjoys being around people and, and being in my community. And I felt a little isolated. I'm like, what can I do and how can I share 
How can I interact with other people? How can I get other people to interact with those? And how can I advocate for all this isolation and all this trauma and all this depression and all this anxiety that right. people are feeling? All this, right. all these overwhelming sensations that people have never really ex been exposed to or even allowed themselves to feel. And when we're confined, when we are... Well, it quarantined. You really have to right. come to terms with a lot. Yeah, there's there's, you do. there's a, a lack of escape. So in that, I found the time to build the live stream show, and really that was to highlight the the voices of other individuals again with their trauma, their stories of trauma, their stories of their mental health. And all the barriers that come with that and all the difficult struggles that they go through. And how can we help each other? How can we say, you know what, I've been through that too and you're not alone. It's happened to me too. Or, hey, that sounds kind of like what I've been through. And how can we just continue to connect on a more human level rather than the, the superficial level in that sense? So yeah, that's what the show's about. The conundrum to me is, you know, we're... There, we're you and I didn't invent this narrative. It's been around a long time. Yet, I'd say right now, there's probably more attention to mental health, suicidal ideation, yes. uh, depression, anxiety, more information out there. Yet, the numbers are progressively worsening. Um, everything from suicide rates. I know when, when, when Seth, our son, died of his heroin overdose in 2016, there was 54. 4,000 Americans died of overdose. Last year was 96. Yet, everybody knows what fentanyl is. Everyone knows about opioids. Everyone knows about all these, mm -hmm. uh, these things that can literally kill you instantly, but the numbers are getting worse. So where, where, is the disc, where, where are we dropping the ball as you and I mm. being advocates of mental health? Sure, we're doing podcasts, writing blogs, I'm going on shows, you're going on shows, but, but it seems like nothing's working. What is going to work? What is going to work? I don't know. But we do know that there is a terrible lapse. There is a huge gap in the system. The system does not really assist individuals. There are so many different holes where the, the, your wheels keep spinning. All these constant sidelines that we come to. Um, you know, mm -hmm. lack of care, like uh, insurance, right? Lack of insurance or... Lack right. of services, accessibility of services. Um, then you start, you know, lack of financial, like the co-payment in itself, or you have to pay for the mm -hmm. medications. Um, maybe it's like there's some cultural things or some, uh, you know, you want to consider all those other factors that individuals mm -hmm. have to consider, right? What, you know, uh, geographic locations and, and what's, you know, are they rural? Are they in urban areas? Are they in suburbia? Um, you know, and I just know that the government in itself, and although the government is not supposed to provide everything to everyone, <laughs> there right. still is a dependence on our government to kind of, you know, assist in some way. And I know with the, the government and what we have available to us and then private sector doing what they want to do, uh, there's just, it's chaotic. And I think that people just get constantly spun around and cycle of doors right in this door out that door mm -hmm. i can't help you why don't you call this other number that number can't help you you're calling the other number and then before you know it you're getting back to the same number that couldn't help you 
and you're in a dead end. It's a constant dead end. I think a lot of people feel like there's a dead end at every turn. Um, and, and that leaves you in a state of desperation and disappointment. And, and then it, you internalize that. The problem seems is, is not um, a, an issue with how many facilities we have. There's 15,000 treatment centers in the United States. It's a $55 billion yeah. industry. There's like 4 million people in treatment. Okay. We can keep building treatment centers in every corner. And I'm, I'm not sure that that's going to help the problem. And I also don't think going after big pharma or the drug cartels right. is, 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 to me, it's not a supply side fix. It's a mm -hmm. demand side fix. Why, why did my son think heroin, or obviously he didn't, but why did he think that that night heroin was a good option, considering all the other options out there to uh, release his tension, release his stress, whatever? Why did he pick heroin? And if I could figure out that moment of decision making, mm -hmm. that tree that he had in his head, yes, no, do I do it, do I not? And then figure out, you know, why didn't he just say no? I know it sounds so easy for me to say that, but I look at some of the things I did in my life when I quit gambling, I quit drinking. I, I just simply said no. I just stopped. I got tired of being tired. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think from the demand side, and this is where kind of where I want to I wanna live the rest of my life is on the demand side. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think I've had a number of people in my life uh, recently uh, to be sensitive on some confidentiality and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've dealt with a number of deaths in my life very close to me that have been substance abuse related and the helplessness feeling of trying to be the savior mm -hmm. is so unrewarding when the outcome is inevitable that death is, is, yeah. is likely to, it's and so as as someone who's trying to be that person I'm, I'm not doing a very good job at that and so maybe it's like maybe I need to go after the kids maybe I need to get to the 14 15 16 year olds and have my living undeterred projects have all my emphasis on the next generation of alcoholics and addicts instead of just trying to be another, you know, another savior of, of somebody who's struggling. I don't know. I'm really I'm teetering back and forth on what's my worth to society. Is it just to be another rehab advocate or an AA meeting provider or just say, you know what, there's enough of that out there. I'm not giving up on alcoholics and stuff, but. I want to go help the kids. That's how we fix So This 55 goes to 95. It doesn't go to 120. You know, that, that, that's what keeps me up at night is mm -hmm. how do I get these things to turn around? Yeah. And I don't know. I'm like you. I don't have any. I'm just a dad from Iowa, DJ. I'm, yeah. I'm no freaking expert in anything. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a sponge. I really enjoy learning. I really enjoy alternative views on things. Yeah. Um, you know, I think marijuana should be legalized. I think psychedelics is an area that we need to explore, especially with end of life and Alzheimer's and ADD. Um, here's something that I've lost two people to substance abuse. You'd think I'd be anti-drugs, anti-alcohol, anti... I'm not. I'm very open-minded on these things. So I'm hoping by meeting people like you and more people like Brian Wall and mm -hmm. Patrick Moore and Amy Olseth and very much more intelligent people than I am on these topics that we can all get together as a collective think tank and provide resources to people that they don't turn into my son, you right. know, and make those decisions. Resources, a variety of resources, right? Not one type, right. not two types, different types for right. people's different needs, which is something right. that you, you know, you find in any of these types of uh, discussions, 
really is just being more open, being um, exploring what you don't think, what you've been told that is not good for you or what is not healthy and not, you know, finding an alternative way to live, alternative way to cope, alternative way to look at things. And, and, and I think that's part of the work that I do is, right, because when you're working with someone and you're helping them get from point A to point B, right, like, they have to do the work. It's their internal, like, motivation and movement that they have to find within themselves to keep themselves going. So whatever that case may be, whatever that vice is, whatever that trauma is that's holding them, excuse me, um, you know, we just need to meet them where they're at and, and surround them, see what they need, um, and give them options to allow them to explore and find healthy ways for them to grow, to find that healing, to find whatever it is that they need to find. Everyone, you know, needs what would be some healthy, what what are some healthy ways? Um, what are some (sighs) options that you, I can think of a few and we're probably the same ones you and I are thinking of, but what are some you can think of? Healthy ways for specifically, what do you mean? Um, just like coping Um, and getting through things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can state the obvious, right? We got the self-care obvious ones like, uh, you know, sleeping more or eating better or exercising or, you know, journaling, um, all those good things, positive affirmations, meditation. We've all heard those things. Um, But, you know, taking it a little bit further, right? Like, okay, you know, um, we have our animals, right? We talk about animals, uh, sports, getting out there, like, moving, finding other ways to connect, possibly maybe express different things. Find ways to express your emotions in a different way. Maybe a new hobby, exploring a new way, a new medium of expressing yourself, whether it's through dance or art or some silliness, right? Maybe you need to use your imagination more and explore different values that you, you know, instead of uh, ruminating in in what doesn't work. Um, But I know it's hard, you know, like, can't see sometimes. I heard someone say, uh, be in motion. Yeah. So when you're, when you're, having a traumatic event like I've lost a, a son and a mm-hmm. spouse now and in, in all within four and a half years and I have learned that being in motion well uh, keeping moving uh, really anything it doesn't really matter the worst motion is in action mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if I if I can just if I can get up early go to bed early read uh, run write uh, do podcasts mm-hmm. um, and just not, it's hard to explain. Sounds like I don't care. Not to me, no. But not. not, but not moving on, but absorbing Seth and Prudence in my life. Yeah. So I, I don't want to move on, and and I never ever bought into that narrative. Hey, get over it, or this will build scar tissue. You become a stronger man. Mm. It's like no, I, I want to become a different. I want to be a new man. I want. I don't want to be rehabbed. I want to be reinvented. I don't want to go back to the past and be what I was because that is dead. To, all that's literally dead to me. The past is dead. I mean, our in 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 reality, all we all we have with memories and experiences are the emotions we attach to them. So, yes. if I only go back in time to my memories and attach all the moments that make me sad, yes, I don't want to do that. It's not productive for my health. No. So, do I want to think about my wife and my son? Absolutely. But typically, the things that make me feel good. Right. No. What would they want? What would they want me to be doing? Right. Right. And I agree with that 100%. And that's why I really support, you know, uh, 
your process is your process and the way you need to keep going is the way you need to keep going because I would never want to see you get stuck and if anyone wants to see you get stuck what's wrong with them like Jeffrey's moving Jeffrey's doing things like he's not getting stuck that's the best thing that's what for me I couldn't be any more happier for you because it shows that you're still continuing to move live Mm -hmm. and not just become um encapsulated encased in this like sadness and this like right that can really like that's what where you go downhill fast right and it's like avoiding that slope like not falling like not going down that slope so um i agree with you you know and just and i wanted to go back to something you said was like the emotions right and then even a memory so we talk like reframing it reminds me to think of reframing like you know like thinking of those bad memories or just like like so any trauma you have like how do you figure out like you're gonna have to figure out a way to separate from distance from it let it go because the trauma is there and you're holding on to it and it's yours right right? it's um there's nothing you can do about the past but you want to try to find a way to move that emotion into a different space change that emotion um and transform it for a better perspective for your own health for your own you know um your own well-being well-being thank you yeah that's exactly what i'm saying so absolutely and And i I support you know it's very important the stoics the stoics really identified the need to reframe and i wrote Mm -hmm. a blog about a month or two ago on do you need a new frame and and i was talking simply about and i learned this through meditation and you i know you meditate Mm -hmm. as well um is when i when i look at something that evokes uh uh, an emotion from me or let's say, let me let me let me go back a minute let's say i have a memory mm-hmm. and i have a memory of my son and it's a memory that's making me now start to become sad through meditation i've learned that the memory itself is fine it's the emotion i attach to it i need to expunge i need to just let it go away mm-hmm. and so i've really learned to just kind of nip these things before they fester now I allow myself complete meltdowns. I, I I think that's very fresh and rewarding, and it's like a reset. Oh yeah. Where I'll be just two days ago was the probably the worst day I've had since mm. um, since Prudence passed away. Just going through boxes, and and it was either one box of Seth, and then a box of hers, and a box of Seth's, and a box of our wedding. It was like, holy shit! You know, I can't take this anymore. I cannot open another box. But I'm like. I'm already here. I'm 80% into hell. Wow. I need to go all the way. So I just kept opening up boxes. And now I'm done. I went through them all. So I don't have to have that linger to tomorrow. Now I know what's in every box. I went through it all. I read everything. It's now shut up. And I'm, I put it away literally. And I'm putting it away in my brain. But I'm, I never want to forget about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want to forget about a lot of the stuff that's in those boxes that yes. just pulled, it just pulled um, non-productive uh, memories for me, almost, almost illusions, almost not real mm. that I just don't want to participate in. And so, so easy I to get caught up in that. It's so easy oh, to man, like s- spin and unwind and just go what down. If? Those, Play the what oh, if game. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. It's healthy that, you know, you just really intentionally have the pieces and then you have, you know, you set that intention of what you're doing in that moment with them. Um, so it's a positive, welcoming, warm, um, experience moving forward when you think of them. So since this is about you, 
I'd like to find out without being overly personal, yeah. but you're obviously in a space that makes it makes me feel like you've had some grief or trauma or something in your life as well. So I ask people all the time, what is your why? What you know what I do, mm-hmm. why I do it. What what would you tell a person that watches your podcast or kind of is following your story? What would you tell them what your inspiration, your motivation, what your why is? My why. My my why is about connection and people. My why has always been about So I although I talk a lot about trauma and mental health and disability, I've been a fairly mm-hmm. healthy safe, well-protected individual. I've been um, given gifts of life, and I've only felt that those gifts should be shared. I've, mm-hmm. o- I've always felt that I have enough energy, spirit, um, whatever you want to call it, light, to share, and I don't need to keep right. it, and I don't need to hog it. And it's like, no, please, take some. I've got a little too much. <laughs> Um, you know, how can I make your day better? How can we move you up forward a little closer to where you want to be? Um, I get great joy and great a sense of satisfaction and and just um, like my work is done when I, I see someone achieve that goal, whether it be the smallest goal. And that's something I constantly right. talk about. You know, it doesn't matter because of the trauma, because of the mental health, because of the disability. Like any small achievement is worth celebrating and to see someone move forward one step given everything that they're carrying, all the weight that they carry on their shoulders, given all the barriers and all the social stigmas and all the discrimination and all the oppression that they are constantly handed, they still can find space and energy to inch forward. To me, that is like... You know, that's what we should be doing as a society. That's what we should be doing as a whole. Um, Lifting each other up, right? Kind of generic. But in a sense, you know, that's really what it is. It's it's because I have been blessed, because I have been given um, these gifts. And and there's others that haven't had it, that have had it very, very hard, very difficult, very, like, to me, it just, you know, how could I transform their lives in a moment how right. can I trans how can I give them something to hold on to for the rest of their lives and to me that is right. through what I do whether it's an inspirational piece or just knowing that they there was someone that believed in them when I worked with kids in foster care it was the same thing you know I always hope like maybe there's one kid that I'm gonna talk to they're gonna be like dang miss DJ you're so cool like I'm never gonna forget you told me this you I remember you telling me yeah. that I'm never gonna forget that and I'm like that's it right there like you know your worth don't let anybody take that away from you right like and I get it yeah. so when you would talk about the youth and you talk about adolescents and you talk about like that age group like I feel that because here's a little insight that I don't really talk about but when I worked with kids <laughs> in foster care They love to give me the adolescents, okay? And I was like, why do you keep giving me these adolescents, right? Like, babies, babies in foster care, babies to be adopted, they're babies, right? They're cute, they're cuddly. They don't don't skip school. They don't do drugs. They don't get pregnant. (laughs) They don't um, curse at you, throw things, break things in your home. But they would be like, 
Miss DJ, we got another case for you. Is it another adolescent? Yes, it is. You work so well with them. They really re they're receptive to you. They like you. They listen to you. Right. I have to give you this case, and you're like, all right. But again, you know, it's just using what you have and using what I had to help others in any capacity. So that's just me working with adolescents, at-risk youth, you know. And then, or you work now with job seekers with disabilities. Um, but still, you know, or whether I was working with individuals uh, low income, cash assistance, TANF, you know, just absolute um, below poverty levels, um, just scraping to get move forward and, and, and make a better life for themselves and just watching, seeing that and me knowing that I have what I have, I just want to continue to give and share. That's pretty How much. How much is this? I mean, I, I know we like to look at kids as being mm -hmm. maybe part of the issue that they're not coping while well. we look at society like the mm -hmm. big pharma and mm -hmm. social media. But at the end of the day, the home life structure mm. is is key. Now, I when I was doing my book last year, I ran across a statistic that was amazing that there's more Adderall prescribed to adults now than children. So where do you think kids are getting Adderall to take to school to sell? Now, my son was selling him at pills he was prescribed but kids are going to their parents medicine cabinet so we have parents on one side of the of their mouth say don't drink don't smoke don't have sex don't do this don't do this but then at home they're drinking maybe they're smoking pot because it's legal doesn't mean you have to do it just because it's legal you know newsflash um but to me it's like you know um there i think we all have some culpability parents kids society but social media, no question. I grew up in the 80s. You know, we, we never had right. that pressure of, there was no internet. So even if, in college, it barely existed for me. So we never dealt with that. The kids today, it's hard for parents my age to deal with kids today because we always think back to what it was when we were that age. We didn't have any of the stuff they have right now. You know, vaping wasn't around. I mean, we had mm -hmm. things that, that were available, but... I just think the amount think of big drugs, the amount mm. of drugs like, and, and the drugs that can kill you instantly now. Yes. Yes. I went to high school. We didn't have one kid die. I think there was one kid the whole time I was in high school that actually was killed in a car accident that wasn't alcohol related. Right. But that was the only death we had in all my four years. Now I went to a school. Right. It was only 90 kids in my graduating class. So it wasn't big, but but then again, but still, the point is like at, just at the, the school here, my kids go. There's a kid dying every year. Yeah, of suicide, overdose, drunk driving, something. So mm -hmm. I just think that um, I think we need to do a better job as parents, and I think we need to show our kids the way, not tell our kids the way. And that may be that mean you just quit drinking. If you're worried about your kid drinking, the first thing you can do to help them is you quit drinking. Show them I can quit. I'll quit for you, son. Mm -hmm. You know. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be telling your kids not to go out and drink. You're just a hypocrite at that point. And anyone watching this, I would say that if you were sitting here, I would say it in front of an audience, you can't tell your kids one thing, unless, they're, unless it's illegal, I get that. But if they're 21 or 22 and they're having some drinking problems, the first thing you can do to support them is to quit drinking. Now, I didn't do that with Seth, and I regret that. Mm. I didn't quit drinking until 14 months after he died. And I wonder... If when I go back and do any guilt, which I don't have much at all, 
the guilt I do have is the simple fact. I wonder why I couldn't have just been man enough to help him out when he was drunk driving and going to jail and getting in trouble, all alcohol related, most of it, why I didn't quit. And it was because I was an alcoholic and I couldn't. So it took his death to get me to quit, which is kind of pathetic. But mm. here I am and now I'm a better person for quitting. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a, I became a better man, not a bitter man, as, yeah. as I like to say, you know. But I think between what we're trying to do, DJ, is it shouldn't have to take death. Right. You shouldn't have to bury a child or a spouse or a brother or a sister. Or a, it, but it does, unfortunately, it does. and it did for me. But I'm going to go out and tell my story, and hopefully people say, well, I got my three kids here. One son is making poor choices. My, maybe my daughter's doing things that I wouldn't do when I was that age. But they're still alive. You know, I have, I have, a, I, I have a chance. Mm-hmm. When they're dead, you have no chance. Yes. Very true. But you know. I agree with the point of like really, uh, ed- not educating, but teaching, teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Giving the information to our, our children about all these things. Like, and a lot of it has to do it, it, uh, similarly, right? With whether it's educating them on um, like heart matters, soul matters, right? Like, mm-hmm. like real life matters. <laughs> I can't yeah. explain it. I mean, science and English and math and arithmetic and all that is great. But they need there needs to be courses on just, like, emotion and mental health and, like, how to... Self-confidence. Self-confidence. Like, yes. Like, go back to having more conversations like that and not... I mean, you're going to cut out art and you're going to cut out music and then what's left? Like, they're... Right. They're stripping everything out of schools, and I'm not an educator, and I don't can't. Re- I know that it's difficult from an educator standpoint that they're not given right. funding, and that's a whole nother discussion. And it's not on right. educators, and that's not either what I'm saying. But you're right; it starts in the home, and talking about the foster care. I know we went to, you know, that's how that kind of conversation really evolved was from. But but yes, children, whether it be in the home and in school systems, and there just has to be. I think a collaboration, an overall perspective change on that, that we need to address the youth before they're adults and then damage is done. Or it's, um, or it's a, what is it? It's a, a reactionary, like, okay, now we got to fix it. Now, it's, you know, like you're fixing. It's not preventing. What is that called? Like... You know, instead um, of like addressing it and preventing it on the forefront, it's like, okay, now we've got a problem and now we're all like treatment, treatment, treatment. Is that the rehab? Not necessarily rehab because I don't really speak to as to, you know, alcohol or substance abuse, like right. rehab facilities, but it could be like a mental health facility. It could be a psychiatric facility. It could be, yeah. you know, any kind of facility, but yeah, generally the same thing. Don't you think everything falls under the mental health umbrella? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, generally, like, whole person, you have to consider the mental health, the heart, and the, the mind together and, and teach I think that's some adults of the problem to listen. We, yeah. we diagnose specific individual issues like ADD. You know, Seth was diagnosed ADD, where I think above ADD was mental health, uh, undiagnosed mental health concerns and issues that we had. Um, that we never, never diagnosed because 
his descent into substance abuse happened so quickly after his ADD was given, after his um, Adderall was given to him. Um, but I often wonder if, if um, you know, if we can get to kids and say, you know, you don't, attention deficit disorder, let's say, for example, you're so lucky to have it. You know how many kids would love to have your energy and your hyper-focus and your intensity? Instead of putting a label on kids and saying, you're, you're a werewolf, you know, you're going to turn mm. into eating, eating humans at a next full moon, take this pill so you don't turn into something evil. I just, I just think that's That language's got to go. Yeah, exactly. It's a stigma. Putting again. that I just, on I hate, people, whether it's... Yeah, what is... What's wrong with it's tension deficits? Not a disorder. It's not a disorder. I have it. Am I? Am I? Am I disabled? Hell no. I've never been. My my company I build up at twenty three has nine advisors and seven full time staff. I've been doing this for thirty years. I have a radio show. You're fully I mean, able. I, I'm right. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a functional ADD person. I I tell people all the time, especially kids. I meet some of my, my friend, my, uh, my son's boys, Ian and Roman. They'll come over to the house, and I can see the ADD ones. You know, they're, they're hyper. Mm-hmm. I say, man, give me a high five, dude. You, got, you have a superpower, brother. You have something I have. Aww. You know, you have ADD, and you can see their eyes light up because their parents probably don't tell them that because you can't have, you can't have caffeine because you're too hyper. You can't do this because you're too hyper. It's like mm. my dad always said, you know what? You can't put that into kids, but you can sure in hell take it out of them. So you can't put energy into kids and hyperactivity intensity, but you can take it out of them by numbing oh, yeah. them down or telling Chemical them it's bad. Chemical restraint. So, let, so let's don't do that. Let's let's empower kids to use ADD to do great heroic things. And, and, that's, and that's, that's awesome. I think, yeah, it's using what you got, using it to your advantage. What is it that makes no you unique, unique? What is it that makes you yeah. different? What is it that makes you stand out in a crowd and be able to right. problem solve in a totally new, cool, refreshing way. Like, I want to hear that. That's what I want to hear. The oppo- even the opposite, the quiet kids. You know, mm-hmm. There's just as many as them, too. There's probably more, you know. I mean, that's not a disorder. You don't need to be more vocal. It's like, you know, that's who you are. That's how you roll. I have, you know, Ian and Roman are so different. My two boys are so different. You know, Roman's 18. Yeah. He came out as gay a year ago. Yeah. He is so different. He's cerebral. He's a ma- he wants awesome. to be a math teacher. He's into chemistry. You know, we go and we're buying something at the store, and we're there for two hours. Ian and I come in. We're there for two minutes. You know, it was just we're both we're both just quick decision makers. We don't ponder over things. I don't measure things. Yeah. I got a theory. My, my life, I'll I'll make it fit. And if it doesn't fit, I'll make it fit. You know, that's kind of how I do things. Whereas Roman and Ian are so different, but they're, you know, they're same parents, same household. But they're uniquely different. So as a dad, I have to deal with their challenges differently. Mm-hmm. I can't come at it right. the same way. Absolutely. And Seth was different. You gotta too. meet each a, one where they're at individually. Right. Son, you're over right. here. I'm gonna meet you over there. Son, you're over here. Okay, I'm gonna be over there. With and you that's too. the boilerplate. The antithesis to that's the boilerplate methodology that we have in, in medicine and we have in, in most most things out there today is, you know, labeling people and. Um, and then the know, standard, just, here's your prescription of what? Well, Butrin yeah. or Prozac or yeah. whatever, you know, anti, whatever, yeah, it is. whatever yeah. standard yeah. antidepressant, whatever, whatever. 
So, so you're familiar with the living undetoured next year in, in May in 2022. We're going on the road. Um, and we're going to stop by and hopefully uh, be able to, to meet you eventually. But um, part of this whole thing, when I got to thinking about this thing, DJ, was a lot less about Jeff Johnston's story. Mm-hmm. I've told my story so many times at, at times. I, I don't want to say I get tired of telling it, but it's, you know, I, I want to hear your story. I want to hear more about other stories. So I have a feeling that when we're out there going around to these states, that it's going to be quite humbling to talk to people on every single stop that have stories. I, I'll tell you a quick yeah. story um, that happened the other day. And I won't, I'll try to add, I'll try to change some of the names and stuff to make it so people that were involved don't know who I'm talking about. But okay. the other day, <laughs> I was in a garage, somebody's garage. I was helping somebody move. And, you know, just going through the, the death of my, my spouse and grieving with that. And a neighbor came across the street helping, you know, helping doing some moving and stuff. And I was talking to this person and found out a very short amount of time. He had a brother that was in prison Mm -hmm. and had got out and on his birthday did heroin with fentanyl and died. First person I met. And as I'm helping doing some more things, another neighbor comes from across the street. So I'm talking to her. She hears my story, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm comfortable being vulnerable. I figure if I tell my, let my guard down, people let their guard down. Like that guy would never have told me about his brother if I wouldn't have told him about my son. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, and my wife. Yeah. And, um, and so then the lady starts going in. Well, that's, that's unfortunate. I know what it's like to lose a child. I'm like, huh? Wow. Y- you too? Her grandson hung himself in her basement two years ago. Oh, my goodness. So I'm, now I'm sitting there going... I'm in a garage with two random strangers and all three of us have had the most traumatic event happen, all involving mental health, substance abuse, overdoses, you know, alcoholism. This is one fricking block. This is one garage in one town, in one city, in just America. Think how big this problem is, you know, and I'm going to go around the whole country for three months, every single day, I'm going to have a day like that in the garage. So when I say it's going to be life-changing to me, it is going to, I'm never going to come back the same person. I don't want to come back. I, I, when my wife died, I wasn't the same person. When my son died, I wasn't the same person. So I'm used to changing my skin. I'm very used to being uncomfortable. And so I want to go out there, take off, and I don't ever want to come back. And as I get further down this journey, I'm like, this is so much not about me. It's about the two neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about mm-hmm. Sam Gary, the kid who the kid who was on my podcast, Suicidal Ideation. It's about mm-hmm. Steve Grant, who lost Chris and Kelly to heroin overdoses. It's about Danielle McLean, who was raped and she was prostituted mm-hmm. and she was a drug dealer. It's about all these beautiful people mm-hmm. that have now survived these things and not just yeah. survive. Danielle runs an aerospace engineering company. Uh, Sam runs his Kick It For A Cause suicide prevention. Steve Grant wrote a book and raised a million dollars. It's like, there's a lot of us out there. And, and people that have been through these things have to know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's why you and I do what we do is that, you know. I just think it just takes canoe. that connection, right? <laughs> like one connection. And I always talk about that too. It just takes one person to really like, really help change the, the perspective and change the tr- trajectory 
um, right. you know, to believe right. in you or to give you that confidence or to be like, you know, I've been through that too. And you're just like, wow, okay. You know, um, so yeah, that's important. But I think, that, you know, going out and making those connections and really bringing in that community. Let me ask you a question, a little jump away from this yeah. intense, deep topic here for a second. But, um, and I've, I've watched a lot of your conversations. I've, um, a lot of the live streams. I just kind of jump in live streams. I don't, I don't talk a lot. Yeah. I just kind of like to listen. I like to be a fly on the wall, you know. But there's quite a few of these out there that get very deep. I mean, spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the soul, the, yes. you know, the, the aura, the karma, you know, and I know the, I know you're, you're, that's right down your alley. Um, and, and you and I've talked before, I, I'm agnostic. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm not, I'm not a believer in, I, I've kind of built my own spirituality from within. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to call it. My mind isn't from above or below. It's from within. Okay. And that's how I, I roll. Now, you are spiritual. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know how do you how do you define spirituality? What's that? What's what's okay? What's an otherly presence mean to you? How does that help you? Oh, that's a good one. So for me, I was raised in a Christian church background. I was raised religious, so I do have a a lot of knowledge and teachings from just an upbringing in the church and and you know Sunday school, you know whatnot. Um, and growing up, I became a little bit more hard-headed, <laughs> a little more wild, a little more uh, testing the waters, and I wanted to see what life was about. But now at this stage in my life, um, like we talked about meditating a little bit, and I'm going to go there, Right. really is that, that belief system, um, like that internal belief system that I've created for to fit what I feel is good for me and it's not so given my work and feeling that as you know I have this energy and I want to share it it has a lot to do with my spirituality being right. a person who wants to assist others through you know their hardships and stuff and for me just really taking my mind and my heart and my soul into that work and keeping myself in that space that I know I'm supposed to be, that that's where I belong. Um, I like right. to take my mind into thoughts and into, boy, how do we say this? <laughs> Mental spaces and imagery and to just listen to what the universe brings, the intuition brings, uh, the gut. Um, you know, a lot of people know about the, the gut being sensory, right? We get information from our gut. Even right. though, you know, medical science, and I'm not really into, like, medical and science, but I know, like, they're starting to come around more. Like, all this is really connected. Like, there's just so much information that we're getting, and it's not just from the mind. And we all know the mind plays tricks on us. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this absolutely. is where I want to... I, and I'm a, I came from an intellectual, go to school, go to college, go to grad school, textbooks, research papers... And I'm like, okay, that's fine, that's dandy, that's great. Um, I understand that, but I mean, it's it's got to be more than just what the textbooks say, right? Or what the doctors say, or what the the what your mind is telling you to say. So it's got to go with your right. feeling. Then you take it more to the right. feeling and what that intuition and that spiritual guidance says. Yeah. So that's for me when I talk about spirituality. It's just kind of listening to 
what comes to me um, and what makes sense to me and and listening a lot of listening not so much believing in expectations or behavior it's interesting you said the word believing and I just interrupted you and you were gonna say behave right yeah because I was gonna ask you yeah. is is you know what is more important believing in something or how you behave mm. see I have an answer to that and it, to me it's it's a no-brainer and I'll let you answer it though first well <laughs> I think your behavior obviously is an expression of what's going on in the inside whether it's mentally yeah. or emotionally like right. your behavior, right? And studying psychology, A, B's and C's, right? A is the antecedent and B the behavior and C the consequence. And you know how we like right. take that and how our behavior is really just a uh, kind of an, ex like, like I said, an expression of what we're thinking and feeling. And, you know, and it's not yeah. always like the right way to express it. <laughs> I, I think belief will fuel your behavior. Yeah, um, yeah. It could be, absolutely. you could believe in, you know, way a heaven looks. And so yeah. if you act a certain way here, you get rewarded. Mm -hmm. And so that belief will make you do things that maybe don't fit into yes. what society wants to be a good human. Yes. But you're going to get to heaven and be with a, a world up there that looks appealing to you. I'm trying to dodge around a lot of sensitive things here. <laughs> um, you said heaven, <laughs> without though. Without offending. Right. Yeah, I know I did. But it's my podcast. <laughs> I can say what I want to say. <laughs> Um, but I love this conversation about believing in behavior because I am one we that is, yeah. is, is less impressed and more in action. In other words, I, I, I'll give you an example. Here, it's people like examples because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to just sit here and talk. I had a friend of mine that had an injury and a uh, pretty serious injury. Uh, I'll be very sensitive in divulging like where and what happened. Yeah, but no, it was no. out of work for a long time. This person's a hard worker, outdoor physical labor type thing. It was an injury. They were out of work for a long time. Prognosis was not good. Since then, it's gotten better. Now that, now that person's back to work. So that's the good news. But at the time, we didn't know that. And so on Facebook and a lot of these places, there was all this outpouring, which everyone does. And I, I've, I've done this as well. You know, we're praying for you, thoughts and prayers, hope and hope well, blah, blah, blah. And after a while, I got to thinking, you know, prayers ain't paying bills for this guy and his family. He's got three kids. He's married a mortgage. You know, I don't know what their income is, but mm -hmm. he's one of the top, you know, he's probably, I don't know if he is the main breadwinner, but it doesn't matter. They both do do well. Mm -hmm. And now he's out of work and there's going to be some ramifications long-term, but yeah. it seems like everyone's sending thoughts and prayers and then moving on to the next agenda for the day. And I'm like, well, screw that. So I set up a GoFundMe. Aww. And I, be, I decided instead of being instead of being believing this friend was going to get better and, and praying they got better, I wasn't going to sit around and wait for that. So I was going to go raise this person money. So I set up a GoFundMe. They raised $9,000. Wow. And, uh, and, and the, the family got $9,000. And I, I'm not saying that God wouldn't have done better. Maybe God will do better when we're all not here and, and, and in some shape or form. But that $9,000 came from the GoFundMe site that, I set up and mm. everybody everybody contributed. I just came up with the idea that I got tired of everyone praying. Praying wasn't paying bills for this friend of yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there, there's a concrete example of putting things in action. 
you know, I, I decided to do something. And, and you can replicate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone watching this has got a friend or somebody going through something and, they, and you're trying to raise money. Instead of just writing a note and saying, well, I hope you get better, our thoughts and prayers. Well, why don't you go do something? Go volunteer for whatever organization that that note is in reference to. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm sounding very... Uh, I don't know. But I believe, I see what you're saying, and I do I, think... We can do better. We can do better. I think so. I think we can do better, and I think there, you know, you have to want to have that desire to take action, like want to do something for yourself. Right. I think, again, it goes right. back to the self. What do you want to do for yourself? Do you want to be stuck, or do you want to, like, inch forward? And inching is okay. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... No one's telling you that you need to go from here to there, like, you know, perfectly right. and immediately and all these expectations, but to really just... Um, take care of yourself and take care of each other and to be respectful and gentle and just give each other space and, and allow movement and energy and support. I think that's for me, like the biggest mission is to keep encouraging that, um, you know, to, to keep breaking those stigmas and to keep breaking those like discriminatory, uh, beliefs and that are just keep getting imposed on us that keep putting people down and making them have mental health, crises having them breakdowns having them seek refuge in drugs or seek escapism and cope with all these other things because it's so much put on one and that's one of the problems with you know like like cancel culture is that we're in a society now where even you and i having conversations about things i have to be careful how i word things Mm -hmm. which it's just kind of unfortunate because in a free society we really should be able to Correct. To share what we want. And, and you're free to be offended. You're free to agree. Absolutely. Um, you know, my thoughts aren't yours. Yours aren't mine. So yeah. I think when we start telling people, like, you know, I understand there's certain words and things that just aren't acceptable. I, no question. But I think, I think for us to solve some of these problems, if we have to dance around the issues because we may offend no. somebody. Wow. I, I, if someone can tell me that that's the way to deal with these things, then I'll go ahead. But I think the numbers don't justify that. I agree. People aren't killing themselves because they're happy. Right. And I agree. And I think that's why it's so important that I stream what I stream on LinkedIn. And And you do, I think you put a, you put the suicide prevention hotline. You do the mental health awareness. I do. You're like the one of the only ones that actually does that. I saw that on your first podcast. Yeah. And I think it's important when it, you know, it's okay to ask. I thought it's okay to ask. It's okay to talk about it. You have to, you, you should be, it's, we have to allow people to be comfortable because that's how we're losing. People are dying because they feel so much shame and so much guilt because of that what everybody casts on them when and that's it's it's do you worry about triggers do you worry do you worry about sometimes when you're doing things that you trigger people of course and i I put a trigger warning in my intro i I do the verbal trigger warning i put it in my promo post um and i do you know because it is but again it needs to be talked about so and if you don't want to talk about it and you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. Move it along. That's fine. But right. at the same time, it needs to be talked about and, and people need to know that, you know, it's okay to talk about and, and eventually, some, you know, it'll, it's like the more you talk about it, then the more like, oh, okay, well then I, you yeah. know, I heard it here. Oh, I heard it over there. And if I hear it all over the place, then I guess it's, it's something that's a little bit more newsworthy, right? It's a little bit more, I'm hearing more of it, so I guess it's becoming a little bit more common. And that's what we want to do. We want to allow openness and safety for people to move forward, to get the help they need, to reach out, 
and let people know it's okay that they're not okay. I haven't been okay for like three weeks. You've been going through your stuff too. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's I've been miserable dull. for a while. Yeah, yeah, and and it's okay. Yeah. And you put your post up and you say I'm okay, or you put you put up I put a post I'm not okay. Right. But right. again, you know, we're 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 being there. We're relatable. We're letting acknowledging emotion. We're acknowledging what we go through, and it should not be dismissed. That dismissal, that constant dismissing is what makes people hide and bury themselves. I know, and I keep thinking to myself that if what we are doing is working, then we should see the numbers start reversing. The trends go in a different direction, and we're not. So I need to step my game up. You need to step your game right. up. Mom oh, yeah. and dad's watching this needs to step their game up. Kids need to stop drinking and smoking and getting in trouble and lying to their parents. I mean, and, and society needs to stop making these things not just more accessible, but make sure that, for example, like with harm reduction, may, maybe if my son could have tested that heroin, and may, may, maybe if there was a facility that was non-judgmental, you weren't arrested, mm-hmm. and you could have someone come and test your heroin, Maybe my son lives another day. Maybe that was the day he decided to stop everything. I I, I don't know. I, I have to tell you, I guarantee you, that, well, that some of these people died from overdoses, certainly weren't planning on dying. Absolutely. And they wouldn't absolutely. have done that heroin had they known fentanyl was in it. Absolutely. So, I don't know. I don't know. I just, We're just um, losing too many people. We're losing too many lives, too many youth, too many adults. I mean, too many veterans, right. you name it. We're just losing right. people everywhere. Young people, too. Mm. Um, A lot of young people. Well, I heard well, that the, the highest rates of suicide in kindergarten, like the, the rates of suicide in kindergartners now is even skyrocketed. That's just insane. Kindergartners. They are that shouldn't just, even be in the same sentence. I know. I, but I heard this statistic in a podcast from an expert somewhere. I might have to do a little research, wow. but it's something to just consider that, you know, I think it was a training or a local training that they're talking about even how they're seeing the suicide go up in, in elementary school. Like, they're having to provide... That's got to be social media. That's got to be social media driven, don't you think, DJ? Um, a lot of it has to be, absolutely. The accessibility With imposter to syndrome this, and yeah. Kids Listen, just I got always a little seeing guy. other kids. I have a little guy. And I'm oh. six. I got a little oh. guy. He's a six. He's, all he watches is YouTube. And the other day he said, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> and he heard it in a YouTube video. No, he did video. not. He heard, no, he did not. Yes. And I said, where'd you learn that? Where? Oh. Why would you say that? And he's like, oh. And he was saying it in a joking manner, but it's because of the YouTube right. videos. So my little six-year-old, I can see already how it affects his mentality and how it's not Saturday morning cartoons anymore, right? We're not yeah, watching Bugs right. Bunny anymore. We're not watching. Right. Now it's YouTube and yeah. it's not a commercial. Now it's a skip the ad. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a different world. Yeah. And, and you um, can't control what YouTubers say. They're saying all kinds of stuff just to get, you know, likes and subscriptions and, you know, right. Yeah. And, and that's what and the kids get are. On the inter- they can get in anything they want with their phone. Yeah. It's and if not your phone, then their friend's oh, phone. Yeah. Um, so let's do this as we're kind of wrapping oh. this up. This has been very enjoyable. Um, what's next for you? What What are some projects mm. that you have um, that you're thinking about? Projects. That's a good one. Uh, I I want to start a season two with my show. Like I said, I wanted to take a little break and hopefully start a season two. Uh, I'm not really sure what I'm gonna do and how this goes because I'm kind of new, but. Um, I'm also 
hoping and I've been kind of playing with the idea of just trying some speaking engagements, trying to yeah. figure out how I can step into more speaking and really working on those public speaking skills. So we'll see. I'm really hoping that eventually I can get some travel time in and get out there and, and really meet. Have a you done any of that yet or is all yours still virtual? Oh, everything's still virtual for me. I'm hoping. I'll, okay. And I'm patiently waiting. And, and it's totally fine. I know I'm in Florida, so the numbers are, are still going up. We're a hot spot yeah. now. I know they are. So yeah. just, you know, still kind of waiting out this wave of this... Uh, pandemic but eventually if you know the opportunity comes and that would be fantastic uh projects i, I don't know i don't know I'm... a book no i'm not a book no no books no books Why? i'm not a coach i don't coach so no books no coaching okay. i don't know but i like speaking I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by public speaking i'd love to do a tedx at some point in my life i would too that sounds yeah. very intriguing so yeah that's just a, a dream. How do how do people reach you and tell a little bit about your sure. podcast, the name of it? How do people, if people want to start following you, subscribe to you, all how do they find DJ? Sure. So my show, Let Your Mayhem Be Known. I should have probably shared that in the beginning, but that's okay. Let Your Mayhem Be Known. I stream on Monday nights. I stream to YouTube, Twitch, and uh, LinkedIn. But all the content is on YouTube. All the episodes are there. Uh, my handle silver fox talks you can find that use that across all handles i'm on twitter instagram facebook uh linkedin tiktok uh so i'm all over the place i, I don't li really do a lot of social media but i like to stream and I, I do have some profiles there where you know i'm available to be connected with and, and i prefer linkedin that's my preferred platform so I do too. Yeah. So let your let your mayhem be known. Yes. And what nights and what time is that normally on? Mondays at seven thirty Eastern time. Eastern awesome. time. Well, yeah. I uh, I enjoy the show. Um, Thank you. And uh, sometimes the uh, time zone throws me for a loop with some of these people, but uh, that's okay. Uh, no, but I, I really enjoy you coming on uh, to the podcast today, and um, I'm you. sure people are going to be uh, excited to watch your show, watch you grow. Like I said, I've I've been really, I don't know, the Living Undeterred project's been around since January. I dabbled at social media. I mean, I've been on LinkedIn like eight years, but really only like a year. Mm -hmm. But just the, you know, stratospheric velocity that some of you people have gone up is just it's amazing. Aww. You know, I, I remember your very first podcast with Nancy Barrows. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. I, I that was that. in January. I was, I was a very, a lot of anxiety. My voice was cracking through the whole episode. I was shaking. I thought you did great. I didn't notice that. Thank I didn't notice you. I felt a little bit uh, ADD. Like, I just didn't know what to do, where to look. Felt like very, but that's part of the you know and that that goes back to just doing what's right for you and not being fearful not living in fear living undeterred and just kind of getting through it because you know what your mission is you know what your purpose is well nancy said the phrase uh what was it uh comfortable in discomfort or comfortable being uncomfortable or yeah she's got some phrase that she was actually on my she was one of my yeah. top, i think one of my first three or four guests 
and then I I knew she was going to be on your show, mm-hmm. and so I jumped in and got to watch it. Mm-hmm. It was a live stream, right? Yeah, live stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, my, mine's a taped podcast, whereas yours was a live stream, so I was able to actually... I've done a few live streams, and those have been very enjoyable, but yeah, I've seen most, of what I do is, um, most of what I do is the podcast. But anyway, um, thank you very Hi. much, and uh, I'm, I'm sure when this gets out there, a lot of people are going to be in touch with you, and I really really suggest people follow you and subscribe because I think you. I think you're doing an admirable, heroic, awesome job and trying to this mental health, substance abuse, addiction, disability, trauma, stigma breaking, str- yeah. trauma, chaos, life, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. All the it. things Just trying to be through. trying to have a better well-being. Right. right, yeah. Just share that connection. We're all human. Yeah. Well, listen, Thank you. it was an honor and a pleasure, DJ. I'm sure our, our paths will cross uh, soon. Absolutely. So keep doing what you're doing. And as I say with every guest, and I don't think I have to tell you this, but keep living undeterred, okay? You got it.